Hello, and welcome to the Sabbatus Community Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Here's Pastor Russ. You know, a few weeks ago now, uh, we talked about, uh, I don't even know which week it was, but we talked about the wisdom of Jesus. That was the particular focus of learning to become like Christ that week. And, and we talked about how Jesus not only had all the knowledge that he needed, but he also had all of the understanding that he needed uh, to genuinely act in a wise way throughout his lifetime. In, in, in particular, even what period of, a period of time of his life, whatever age he was, he was acting wise for that age. And um, but we also know from Scripture, and it was way back in this series that we talked about this, we, we also know from Scripture that Jesus was literally tempted by Satan to sin. Uh, but of course, he, he didn't, right? Uh, he did not sin. He never sinned. He lived his whole life sin-free. Sin-free. It kind of blows our mind a little bit because uh, uh, in that sense, uh, he certainly has an advantage uh, over every single one uh, of us. And every one of us here, without exception, has not only sinned, uh, but we also have this tendency or maybe a propensity uh, to continue to sin. I mean, it's in every single one of us. We have that sin nature, all right, and, and it's powerful at, at times. So we have that. Yet even though that is all true, it's all true about Jesus, it's all true about every one of us, Jesus still is our example, and we are still called to transform our lives into his image. It's very clear. In scripture, we're told places to put on the mind of Christ. Start thinking like Jesus. That's our job. It's our responsibility to put on the mind of Christ. We're instructed to follow him as our example. And yeah, thinking about that, have you ever thought about how annoying we must be as participants in that? Uh, you know, uh, how annoying we must be in participants in that whole process. I mean, uh, consider just for a moment, knowing everything that you know about yourself, calling to, to mind uh, every mistake or, or every willful sin that you can think of, and how, uh, here's the question, after you do all that, how excited would you to be to have you on your team if you were God? Think about all the times. And I'm not trying to say oh, you're horrible, you know, but just think about that. If we're supposed to be like Jesus, right, call to mind all the times you knowingly weren't. And you think about it from God's point of view, like, wow, that's annoying. I know he's not annoyed with us because that's a kind of a simple thing that we're, I'm, I'm packaging it in, in our, 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 you know, from our perspective here, but that would be very annoying. Uh, and, uh, you know, fortunately, you and I are not God, and He loves us in spite of ourselves, which is awesome and amazing and necessary, right, uh, for, for us. Um, he knows everything that there is to know about us, including some of the things that we've forgotten or may have wanted to uh, forget, uh, and, uh, and yet He sees such potential in you and I. He sees such potential, and, and, I, and I get thinking that, and I'm hopeful you agree with this, aren't you glad that, that God chooses to view you the way he does? Aren't you glad that he does that? He looks at you through those lenses 
Aren't you glad that Jesus uh, chooses to see the best in people? And uh, I am. You know, before we really kind of dive into uh, today's message and we open God's Word and hopefully have God's Word like, literally affect us as His children, uh, let's ask Him to bless our time, uh, this time, in the church service. So, Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You... You give us exactly what we need, Lord, and sometimes it's so sweet, it's so wonderful uh, to hear what you have to say for us, but those are typically times of, uh, where you address things that we're doing well in. And, uh, but Lord, also thank you for the times when your word cuts deep and it gets to the very core of who we are or what we thought about ourselves or what we thought about following you, Lord. And thank you for those times too, because we need them. We need them to move forward. So. As we open your word today, Lord, I pray that uh, your word will speak to us, all of us, in a powerful and a real way, and that we would allow your word to cause us to be better, to be different, to be more like your son, Jesus. So we, we're praying that, that you will do what only your word can do, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, you know, Jesus chooses to see the best in, in people, and and I and. I want you to hang on to that thought. I want you to, to catch that idea. Uh, uh, that, that's what I want you to get a hold of by the time you're done today. That Jesus chooses to see the best in people. Uh, and learning to become like Christ, that's the title of our whole series here. But he does that at times by choosing to see the best in people. And every one of us here, uh, we have more then we have more than enough reason uh, to not see the best in people. Let's be honest, right? Every one of us here have, have had more than enough reason, we probably could list them, of why I can't see the best in people. I can't be like Christ in this way. So we all have that in common and various degrees. I get that. And the older you are, typically the longer your list is going to be, right? Because you've had more interaction with people. Uh, so uh, that is just true. And you don't have to live many years of your life before somebody lets you down or somebody hurts you deeply. Not surface hurt, I mean hurts you. Okay, so that, that happens. And, and, and our natural, and I would say our sinful, when I say that, I mean our sinful tendency uh, is either to, 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 to write them off, right? <laughs> Done with you. I'm going to write you off completely and, 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 and I am going to, to, to go the other way. I'm going to walk away from you. Or to make them pay. Oh yeah? I'm make you pay by, by, by doubling down, uh, making it worse. So that's our sinful tendency. And, and whether you act upon it, I don't know which one you're your go-to, uh, you know, but, but those are a couple really common ones when we have been hurt deeply. I'm done, I'm walking away, I'm being the bigger person, so to speak, we think, or watch out is kind of the idea. Okay, yet, yet so often, uh, Jesus, our example, right? That's what we're talking about. Jesus, our example, would see the best in people even though he knew the worst. He knew the details, okay? We don't always have the details, right? Sometimes we can get duped. 
uh, and to thinking people are better than they, than they really seem to be in the end. But he knew the details, and he, he chose to see the best in people, even though he knew the worst. Not only would he see the best in people, he would often try to draw the best out of them with his words and the opportunities that he genuinely offered them. Interpersonally, he would do that. And, and, and so there are so many individuals that we could have considered uh, when, where Jesus chooses to see and draw out the best in people. We could have, I'm going to list a couple here that just came to my mind as I was thinking, where am I going to go with this, you know? And, uh, we could have talked about um, the amazing opportunity that Jesus uh, gave to Judas. Judas is scary, I mean. What amazing opportunity he gave him to be one of the twelve, one of the closest, one that was supposed to sit on the throne and judge the tribes of Israel. I mean, amazing opportunity that Jesus gave him. Could have talked about him, but not any more than that. We could have talked about Matthew. Matthew, you know, the, the tax collector, somebody uh, that, that most Jews in that day either despised or people like him they would have despised and, and would have totally written off as, I mean, absolutely unusable for the kingdom. You know, traitor, right? That's the idea of what was going on. It was a bad uh, profession to have from that culture's perspective of that day. Write them off, forget them, walk away. We could have talked about him. We could have talked about Mary Magdalene. We could have talked about Zacchaeus. We could have talked about on and on and on. We could have gone. Uh, uh, but I want to talk today about two individuals, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. Okay? Similar callings, different people groups. Primarily, they're going to be reaching, although there's some crossover. Okay? But, but God had a plan for, for both of them. All right, we're going to talk about them. Both of these individuals... If we're honest, and I'm not going to say this is all that they do, but if we, we can take a look at one character quality in each and, 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 and talk about it without saying this is the whole person. Uh, but both of these individuals uh, had some character qualities that many of us would have found difficult to put up with. I mean, if they were there today in our church, we might find each of them difficult to put up with some of the character qualities that we see come out in Scripture, Okay. Uh, Peter uh, seems to, hope he forgives me for this, <laughs> seems to like the sound of his own voice. Right, you think about the times you see Peter and he, become, he, he comes to the surface of whatever's going on. He seems to like the sound of his own voice and he would often speak before thinking through what he was about to say and, and, and his bold and his brash attitude got him in trouble more than once throughout the scriptures okay sometimes even jesus had to come right at him and say no i can't be can't be that way right uh, so that that's a character quality that's sometimes difficult you may have somebody in your life like that you know i mean these are real people real personalities and we, we should be able to see someone similar in our life that would sort of match up with them the apostle paul on the other hand when i say that i'm thinking of saul who had his name changed to paul okay so saul i guess i should say uh, at this point not only discounted Jesus as a legitimate teacher, but he actively persecuted the church, trying to stomp it out of existence. Okay, and he's a powerful guy in his in his day, and he and he had powerful friends. Okay, so and he was working hard to crush the way. That's the first name for the early church, the way. All right, so that's happening there. Uh, but Jesus saw. 
what they could become in spite of their shortcomings, short, in spite of their character flaws, in spite of their difficulties. He saw what they could become. He didn't say, well, I don't see what they are. He knew that. But he saw what they could become. And then Jesus literally drew greatness out of both men. Women too, but I'm talking, just talking about these two men, right? He drew greatness out of these two individuals with these character flaws, these difficult personalities or parts of their personalities were difficult, but he drew greatness out of them. Instead of writing people off or writing them out of our lives, perhaps we should try seeing what they could become, what they could become and then attempt, to whatever degree we have influence in their life, to, to help them to realize that, what we think we see. You know, be part of the solution. Be part of making them better. All right, so, so turn with me in, in, your, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's right there. Yeah, Luke 22, hopefully you're there already. 21 to 34 is the first place that we're going to be taking a look. And, and, and just so... Uh, you know what's going on. Jesus is with his disciples. He's in the upper room uh, in celebrating the Passover and has just or is just about to, we don't know exactly, institute communion or the Lord's Supper. Uh, so just so you know in a time frame what's happening, it is, it is in their day, it is Thursday, uh, the Thursday of Jesus' final week, Okay. Uh, before his death so by this time tomorrow in their uh, in their time so this time tomorrow the apostles are going to be scattered all right they're going to be gone they're going to be scattered they're going to run from Jesus Jesus uh, will have been crucified with all that comes with that and the sins of the world will have already been paid so just one day from what we're talking about here just so you know where we are that's all going to take place okay and uh so with that as some background, let's see what kind of discussion was happening between Jesus and his apostles that night, the night on the eve of all of that other stuff. So Luke 22, 21 to 34, and it says this, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me, on the table and truly the son of man speaking of himself the son of man goes as it has been determined so he's saying that God has planned this, this is going to happen in God, God's way I'm going to go where I need to go because of that but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed then they begin to question among themselves this is the group of the twelve begin to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing now, there was also a dispute, so we may have moved ahead a little bit in time here in that night, and now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. We talked about this the other week. And he said to them, well, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called the benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet, I am among you as one who serves. But you 
are those who have continued with me in my trials. And, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, O Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day till you have denied three times that you even know me. And, and, you know, and I, I hope that you picked up on um, what Jesus just did for Simon. Yes, he told him ahead of time what was sure to be to become Peter's single greatest regret in life, that he would actually end up denying his Lord and Savior. He, he gave him, he told him that's, that's coming. So he, yeah, he did that for him, for sure. Yes, he let Peter know that Satan had his eye on him, the marked man, as well as the rest of the disciples, that seems to kind of be in the text that he was speaking to him as a reference to all. But, but what I hope that you, that you picked up on is found in verse 32, where Jesus just said, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And, and when you have returned to me, when you have returned to me, Strengthen your brethren. Think about timing. It, 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 is, it is as if Peter was restored by Jesus before his failure in time. He's already restoring Peter uh, to ministry before he even failed miserably uh, here. And he just there in that uh, and the day before it happens, he, he just instructed him, when you, and it happens, I want you to strengthen the brethren after you return. After you return to devotion, to commitment, to following me, is basically what he is saying. So, so instead of only focusing in on Peter's greatest failure, which must have really hurt in, on a personal level, what, what he knew was going to happen. Okay, so instead of that, Jesus looks beyond what he is about to do to him, and instead he chooses to see the best in Peter. He calls on Peter uh, to become the leader that he has the potential to become, and we know that he does become later on because we have more of the story, right? But he, he calls on him to become the person that he knows he can become. And, and, and how many of us can honestly say that we would have done the same thing. Ask yourself stuff like that of, of Scripture. If I was there, would I? What is that? It's sort of like testing ourselves. Would I have done the same thing in the same scenario? You know, to whatever degree I can put myself in his shoes, right? So would, would that have been me? Is that how I would have responded? There's always good things to do. And, and you know, instead of uh, becoming quick to distance ourselves or to just end relationships, maybe we should be like Jesus and attempt to draw out the best in each other. 
All right, and, and, and we may not be successful. Jesus wasn't always successful to that, right? But we may not be successful, uh, and, and, and here's why. Because there's another person involved with free will, and they, and they has to respond appropriately. But, but if we're going to learn uh, to become like Christ, uh, this is one of the ways that we can do that. This is one of the, the aspects that we can adjust Right and become that way, but let's so let's move ahead in our Bible. So we can talk about two of the, the major biblical characters. Let's move ahead in our Bibles to the book of Acts, uh, just a few chapters ahead. Acts chapter nine, uh, verses one to twenty-two. So this is Acts nine one to twenty-two. And as you're turning there, um, uh, here what we're going to do? We're going to run into an angry man, an angry man named Saul. Uh, whose passion to crush this fledgling church called the Way is unparalleled in his day, okay? So Acts 9, 1 to 22 is where we're supposed to be turning here. And in the middle of, of Saul's fuming, and in the middle of Saul's fury, he is supernaturally uh, addressed. He has a supernatural run-in with Jesus. And just so you know, this is this is um, Jesus after he has died, Jesus after he has risen three days later, Jesus after he's ascended to heaven. Okay, so he, then after all of that, he has this run-in uh, with, uh, uh, with Jesus, Paul does, or Saul does, excuse me, uh, has that. So let's read about uh, this interaction that Jesus does uh, with him. Acts 9, 1 to 22. Then Saul... You can hear it here. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. That's where he's going. So he says, I want you to tell the synagogues to do what I want you to do. And he, they did. And so that if he found any who were of the way, that's followers of Jesus, of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Not to the synagogue in Damascus. Okay, back to Jerusalem. And, and, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, well, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, well, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And not many of us know what goads are anymore, but that was to stop an animal from kicking. It was a sharp object behind that would break them of that habit. That's what you're doing. You're kicking against me, but you're not hurting me, really. You're, you're hurting yourself. Okay, so that's what was happening. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, Paul, excuse me, Saul, trembling and astonished, said... I don't know how much I want to read into this next phrase. Is he getting it here? Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Something there. Okay, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I don't think you could have said anything worse to Saul. Someone's going to tell you what to do. And, and talk about humbling. This man needs a humbling. And we know that that's one of God's greatest gifts to him. But it starts like right here. Uh, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Not from me directly, but from another person. 
Okay, so you're going to need to receive that. And, and, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he's blind here, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, that must have been humiliating, uh, but by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And, and he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Obviously bothered him very bad. So now... There was a certain disciple, a follower of Jesus, at Damascus named Ananias. And, and to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, well, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. This is not Judas Iscariot. This is Judas, was a very common name of that day. Uh, the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, speaking of you, coming in, putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, um, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and, and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose, and he was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, not binding them and dragging them back, he's spending time with them. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Well, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? Oh, but Saul increased all the more and strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. Look at this. Proving, not just convincing, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And that was the big deal, right? He says he's the Christ. He's not. That's why you need to be crushed. He says, oh, no, 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 no. I had it wrong. And he proved to them because of all of his background ability to, and all the knowledge of Scripture, he, he came right to head to head against the other leaders, and they had no hope but to say, you proved your point. He really is the Christ. He is the one we were waiting for, and we killed him. Okay, so that's what's going on in, in all here. So, and, but you think about what kind of a transformation actually happened. I know we, you must have heard a million messages, maybe not a million, a lot of messages about that, right? About the uh, unbelievable transformation. But it is. It is dramatic what happens in this man's life. On his way to Damascus, he has its authority and this burning passion to destroy those who follow Jesus and in just a, shoe, a short few days, he is preaching. He is preaching 
uh, uh, that this same Jesus is indeed the Christ and that the, and the one the Jews have been waiting for. Uh, so what could have possibly caused that dramatic reversal? We know what it is. He genuinely met Jesus. That's what happens when you genuinely meet Jesus and you understand who he is. All right, uh, And Jesus called him from persecuting the church to becoming his, its greatest advocate. Absolutely. So uh, Jesus saw beyond Saul's actions of persecution, very real actions, some really bad stuff, okay, uh, against uh, his, his, his followers. He, say he saw beyond that, and Jesus saw just how powerful of a witness Saul would become. Now later, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus uh, changes his name from Saul to Paul, which is typical when God calls somebody in that day to a, a brand new, dramatically different mission in life. Uh, and, and so in verse 15, as a rebuttal to Ananias' genuine concern, we can see why he would say it. I sometimes wonder, you know who you're talking to, right? I mean, but, but we can see why he said what he said. Jesus says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And, and the reality is, Ananias did not want to go at first. You can hear it clearly. I'm not, I'm not speaking that into the scripture. He did not want to go at first. He did not understand. Uh, he had heard all that Saul had done in Jerusalem to the saints. And he had also heard that Saul had been given this genuine authority by the chief priests there to tear people out of their homes, drag them back to Jerusalem. Okay, so he, those are all true things. So no wonder Ananias was hesitant. But the Lord said, go. And Ananias went. Okay, big difference here. He went. Uh, so just try to imagine what would have happened if Jesus didn't see beyond Saul's actions and drew out the greatness from within him. Okay, now uh, uh, what would have what would have become of the saints in Damascus, maybe including Ananias? What would have happened to, to them? What would have, uh, who would have traveled on all of those missionary journeys, uh, planting church after church after church, and then strengthening the brethren as they grew in their faith? How would that have played out? Who would God have used to deliver his word uh, to, as Paul had the privilege of, for most of our New Testament, or much of our New Testament? And I, I know we're talking hypotheticals. I get that, okay? It didn't happen. But we're talking hypotheticals a little bit here. But if Jesus did not do what he did in Saul's life, there is no reason for us to believe uh, he wouldn't have spent the rest of his life trying to persecute the church. Right? And he was pretty serious. And he was willing to stop whatever else he was doing in order to get this done. So he's a determined, driven, intelligent, powerful man. And there's no reason to think that he would have stopped that unless Jesus saw something in him. All right? And, um, you know, I, I realize that not every person will dramatically change if we choose to see the best in them. I get that. I'm not foolish. Okay? And, uh, but I'm pretty sure 
that uh, we won't be part of making a positive change in their lives if we only continue seeing the worst. Okay, if that's where we settle, if that's where we land, we're not going to become any kind of a positive change in their lives. We won't be part of it. Right? Uh, so, so every time we get let down or, or hurt by another person, uh, and we choose to distance ourselves as a way of protection, we won't be following Christ's example of seeing the best in others and trying to draw the best out of them. I mean, obviously, uh, there are times. There are times uh, when the best thing that we can do is distance ourselves from a persistently toxic situation, but, but that should be uh, one of the last resorts after everything else has been really attempted. Okay, there are times that has to happen, but that, that is usually the last resort after we have really, really tried. Uh, so the, the world is supposed to know who we are by our love for one another. And, and, you know, and I, want, I want to be more like Jesus in every area of my life. And I, and I say that, I mean it. I, I do. I want to be more like Jesus in every area of my life. And, and I know that some steps towards uh, that end will be more difficult than others. But, but no matter how difficult it is to follow Jesus' example, I hope you can agree with this. It's always good. And it's always worth it. You may not feel like it when you're going through the hard time, but it's always worth it on the other side if you do you know, go through. And uh, so I truly hope... Uh, your life is absolutely full of, of just seeing people and their, I hope that comes naturally for you, right? Uh, maybe you're one of those people that it does. I hope that is true uh, for, for you and, and that you see the best in people and, then, and you just love to draw the best out of people. But if there happens to be some room for improvement in that area in, in your life, even if there is room for improvement in one relationship that you have, my encouragement to you is to follow Jesus' example. Just do it. Just follow Jesus' example, even with that one. Leave the results to him, of course, because they're out of, really out of our control. Leave the results to how it ends up, up to him, but follow his example of how to view people. And I'm sure that this week's message uh, will be particularly difficult uh, for some of us here to put into practice because we already know exactly which relationship needs our attention and for whatever reason we may not be overly excited about that what God's asking us to do and uh, but remember following Christ is always right following Christ is always right it is right when it is easy and it is right when it is difficult and I just want to say if that's not you, this would be a great week for you to uphold one another in prayer, especially for those who are going to take this serious and they're going to allow God to transform their lives in a very difficult, raw way. So please be praying uh, for one another this, this week. I'll pray for you. Please pray for me as well because your pastor's not beyond uh, some of these real struggles. All right? Let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, You are good, right? You are good, you are good, you are good. And, and may that become what we 
believe in, what we say, what we recite, what we, what we, what we allow to sink down into the very core of who we are, especially when you ask us to do something challenging. God, I don't know which broken relationship you're going to ask each one of your children that are here or that are watching to, to re-examine how they view. I'm not so sure you're even going to fix relationships, Lord, but nothing will get fixed until you don't fix what's going on inside of us. So, Lord, we need your regenerative care uh, in, in our spirit, and we need to start viewing uh, our life, viewing ourselves, viewing our family, viewing our friends, viewing those we call our enemies at this point the way you do. So help us to do that. Help us to get out of our own way. Help us to sincerely want to be followers of you that you can be proud of. And God, if there are some here that are going to make that adjustment, make that step this week, or maybe even today, I pray that you would encourage them and empower them and, and, and cheer them on. And may, may the rest of us, who's not sure what you're going to be asking us to do, may we be praying for them that clearly know what you want. God, so go before us. We know you go behind us. You know you surround us. We need that, especially at difficult times. We, we pray in advance for the blessings that uh, you allow us to be in other people's lives. And we pray in advance. Uh, thanking you for the blessing that you are in ours. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please feel free to join us again next week. From all of us here at Sabatis Community Baptist Church, we hope you have a blessed week.